Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the Patriots and the Red Sox and free agency and the what I believe to be um, basically flops of free agency so far for both of these teams and how other teams have gotten so much better over their free agency period compared to the Red Sox. And specifically looking at um, with the Red Sox, the American League East, and with the Patriots, the AFC um, East, and um, also taking a look at um, the uh, situation involving the Celtics and how they've been doing. So let's get started. So for the... Boston Red Sox will start there. Uh, they did about half of the offseason before ending up coming back at it after a new agreement was made, new situation took place, and more and more teams out there, um, you know, were starting to sign players and bring guys back and make moves. And for the Boston Red Sox, it seemed like they did not do that. Now, the Red Sox had a very good season where they did better than they should have and beat Tampa Bay, beat the Yankees. And it seems like at the end of the day for the Red Sox, it didn't go that well. And there were guys such as Suzuki, uh, Suzuki the outfielder from Japan, um, who ended up going to the Padres. Freddie Freeman went to um, the Dodgers after there was... Um, uh, there was um, sort of talk of the Red Sox going after Freddie Freeman, which I honestly didn't think there would be any, but, um, you know, I think uh, he ended up doing that. Uh, there is a lot of big names that are off the board, and the Red Sox basically haven't done anything. They ended up losing Chris Sale to an injury, which now they need to fill that spot in the lineup as the starting pitching role um, could be um, could be uh, up in the air, and we don't know when he's going to get back. Um, they could wait till All-Star break or after that, um, and who knows what's going to happen. And the Red Sox, to me, only have one sort of I guess you could say saving grace in this whole situation. Um, for the Red Sox, it's going to be Trevor Story. is the only sort of saving grace, or I guess um, Carlos Correa, which I don't know if the Red Sox would go for him. But in terms of the you know situation at hand, the only real option is one of those two guys, most likely Trevor Story, because he's been the rumored guy that um, has been uh, thrown out there. And so for the Red Sox, it seems like this is the only sort of saving grace to this offseason because I thought if you were so good last year and you did lose to Houston in such a, you know, kind of uh, disappointing fashion, you would have tried to go out there and make it work and go out there and make, you know, things happen and maybe add good pieces because there were good pieces this offseason. And slowly but surely, between the first and second off-seasons, there wasn't much in terms of the Red Sox making the big moves. And I think 
you know, slowly but surely things kind of um, just um, didn't go so well. And if you look at sort of MLB free agency as a whole for, um, you know, the American League East, obviously the Orioles, um, by uh, their own sort of um, lack of moves, are still going to be, you know, are still basically going to be, um, at this point, um, at the bottom. But in terms of the moves that the other teams made, um, yeah, it wasn't, um, you know, the Red Sox weren't up there um, in terms of um, where they uh, ended up. Uh, so if you go to um, the Toronto Blue Jays, who obviously lost out on a few players um, in, in uh, their own sort of um, situation, and we have to go all the way down uh, to find out their, um, you know, moves, um, at least uh, in my opinion, uh, the ones, the short moves that they made. So they added in Kevin Gaussman, who is starting pitcher, very good. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi, uh, starting pitcher from Seattle. Yimmy Garcia, reliever from Toronto, going uh, there from Houston. Uh, we saw uh, Andrew Vasquez, David Phelps on a minor, minor league deal. Um, we saw, in terms of the uh, other side of the ball, Tampa Bay, um, you know, and what they did. They didn't do a ton. A couple of minor league, uh, you know, moves. Um, they also had in Corey Kluber and Brooks Raley. Outside of that, nothing too crazy. The Yankees basically added in Anthony Rizzo, uh, Joey Rodriguez. They got a bunch of other guys who were minor league deals. Um uh, that um, ended up taking place. Uh, they did make the big move for Josh Donaldson, which I don't think the Yankees will be number three. They'll be number four. Red Sox will be three. Tampa Bay will be two. Toronto will be one. And I thought that if you're the Red Sox, you should have made those moves to get that because you were so close. And being a team that was so close, it would have it would have been something great to see if they had gone out full and been like, um, you know, going after the top tier free agents um, because uh, that's what they need. Um, Alex Cora says, I do still believe we are going to add players. Um, I guess um, he brought in Matt Strom and Jake Diekman and brought back Travis Shaw on a minor league deal. Um, Kyle Schwarber was on the Red Sox. He's gone. Alan Mahew was another option. He's gone. And I mentioned Suzuki and Freddie Freeman. Um, according to Cora, his words, we're still working. We're still talking to people. We're still recruiting, which is important. We'll see. I do believe we're going to add. We've just got to be patient, like I've said before. Um, I guess Jerome Bloom, his uh, earlier comments this week, this is on MassLive.com said it was important not to be reactive to moves around the league, but instead remain focused on what his own team could do next. Yeah. Um, And I think because they added in some relievers, uh, they did lose out on some pitchers. They swapped Renfro for Jackie Bradley, and they got prospects out of that. They lost Schwarber and uh, Iglesias, and Chris Sales now got the rib injury, which I mentioned he will be out for a little while. Um, So... You know, I think there is a lot of things that um, you can say. Uh, 
in terms of players coming in. In the American League East, obviously, Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon, uh, Nelson Cruz, you know, you have Gio Ursula, Gary Sanchez. These are big names that got shipped away or free agents that signed elsewhere. And so I don't know if I would 100% say Toronto is going to run away with this division. Um, but what I will say is that there is, um, you know, a good chance that if the Red Sox can get someone like a Trevor Story, then um, that's what they need to do, right? And, you know, that's where they got to go. And I think. Part of why the Red Sox could get a player like Trevor Story is for two reasons. Number one, he's a great player at shortstop, could play second if they need him to. But more importantly, if Xander is somebody that doesn't stick around or is not a long-term option, and let's say Chris Sale gets healthy by the sort of you know trade deadline and they want to move off of him and trade away Xander alongside Chris Sale to get off of that money, they can do that and still have a shortstop in there. So if this you know team decides, hey, we're going to try and look for a second baseman, we're going to trade away Xander, maybe trade away Chris Sale, then it's a better situation. Um, and that's something uh, to see. So at the end of the day, I just think that for the Red Sox, they haven't been as uh, prominent with the moves that they should have made. And I think they've made... Uh, so many different um, smaller moves that um, just at the end of the day don't make sense. So um, if it was me, I'm not happy with what the Red Sox have done so far. And I do think there's more that they need to do in order to be a playoff team once again. Now switching gears from one Boston sports team who maybe didn't do too much in free agency to another team in Boston sports that hasn't done too much in free agency. The Patriots, let's look at them, um, and let's see what's going on with the Patriots. So going into the Patriots offseason, I didn't really know what they were going to do. I did think that offense was a big sort of thing they needed to deal with, wide receivers and running backs and offensive line. I also think because of their issues on defense, um, in that there were a lot of free agents that were on the defensive side, they had to upgrade there as well. And I thought that J.C. Jackson was gone already, so they had to upgrade at the cornerback. And, yeah, I think um, for uh, New England, uh, there's a lot of things they needed to do, and there was a lot of things that didn't get done. The first of these moves, J.C. Jackson, gone. He is in um, a new spot uh, with... Uh, the uh, Chargers, we have Ted Karras, who is now with uh, Joe Burrow in the Bengals. We have Shaq Mason, who got traded for a fifth-round pick in Tampa Bay, reuniting with um, Tom Brady. Kyle Van Noy is gone. Brandon Bolden is now in, um, I think he's in Las Vegas. And Trent Brown is gone. So this is an interesting situation because... You can argue that the Patriots are nowhere near the sort of place that they need to be in order to be a dominant team. Miles um, Jack uh, joins uh, somewhere else. Allen Robinson joined somewhere else. These were guys that they had interest in. They ended up going with Terrence Mitchell. 
Ty Montgomery, who is a running back, and trading for Mac Wilson, and Chase Vinovich is out the door. Now, they also lost Gunnar Ajewski to uh, the um, Steelers. He's probably going to be a punt returner slash kick returner there. So, New England, despite having enough cap space to do stuff, could have gone out and made moves they didn't. And I think there's a few things to look at in terms of why they're not kind of going out for these big splashes like they did last year. Um, And the salary cap uh, is at a point where maybe they could do something in the future. But... At the end of the day, if you look at where the Patriots were last year and the guys that they signed, Hunter Henry was great. Jonu Smith was less than spectacular. Nelson Aguilar was average, and both Jonu Smith and Nelson Aguilar haven't proven their contracts. And so maybe for the Patriots, they didn't want to go out there and spend the money on a big-time sort of pieces because for years now the Patriots haven't done that, and they've done so well. And also, the fact is, they have a pretty solid team overall with a lot of talent. And they can add in the draft, and they can, you know, do stuff um, in that regard. And so there is sort of interesting moves uh, that ca- that can be made um, with their team. Um, you know, uh, at this point, um, there's so many different... Um, you know, other moves that can be made uh, to get a little bit better. So looking at sort of where the Patriots stand at the moment and looking at where the Patriots are um, right now and what kind of smaller moves or bigger moves they could make to kind of um, get to where they need to be. So first and foremost is getting rid of Nikhil Harry. This is a guy who, in my opinion, doesn't even seem like somebody I would want on my team. And he's definitely not a guy that I think uh, is worthy of being a Patriots wide receiver. So he is someone who's got to go. He has to go. Now, in terms of the quarterback situation, they brought back Brian Hoyer. They have Mac Jones. Getting rid of Stidham for whatever you can is probably number two, just because of the fact that I just don't know if he's going to work in New England if they have Brian Hoyer as a backup. And Brian Hoyer's really just there as more of an assurance if something goes wrong. I don't know, you know, at the end of the day, why, you know, they need to keep uh, Stidham. If they're going to go into training camp with Hoyer, Mac Jones, and Jared Stidham on your roster, and then eventually when the situation presents itself, and you see Stidham throwing the ball, you could move on from Brian Hoyer, or you could trade Stidham, depending on the situation. I don't know how that would end up, but um, they could do that if needed. In terms of, you know, their uh, other positions, um, they have four tight ends, which they can kind of go with what they have and hope that some of these guys work out. Maybe a team could go after someone like a Dalton Keene or a Devin Asai, probably not, but those guys could be, you know, pieces that get um, get used at some point. I don't know uh, if they will or not, but um, I guess we can, uh, we can uh, see. Um, in terms of the defensive side of things, uh, 
fortunately, there's not a lot of uh, what I would call um, guys who could get moved. Um, maybe, you know, looking at the cornerback situation, um, they could get rid of Joe Juwan Williams or Jonathan Jones if um, they were interested in doing that. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know if they will. So probably at the moment, it looks like it's just Nikhil Harry. And it also looks like um, maybe Jared Stidham or releasing Brian Hoyer eventually. They don't need him. Uh, could be uh, options, um, in my opinion. Now, in terms of the draft uh, and sort of the other potential free agents out there, I would say going after a wide receiver, maybe Valdez Scandling, Marquez Valdez Scandling of the Green Bay Packers could be an option um, to fill sort of that wide receiver need. I also think Leighton Vander Esch could be an option for uh, them at the linebacker position, because that is also a position of need. They could also go for Billy Turner, who is in the offensive line. Uh, if they're looking for that, they could go for Juju Smith-Schuster with a one-year sort of let's take him, hope he does well, and then he gets his payday. Um, so that is um, something to potentially um, be an option uh, as a wide receiver. And I'm only looking at wide receivers and linebackers here because potentially those are the biggest positions of need for the Patriots. They could go with Julio Jones, who only played one year in Tennessee. They could go with Jarvis Landry, who... Also, an option played in um, with the uh, Cleveland Browns, and in terms of some other options, there's been interest in Odell Beckham Jr. and the Patriots in the past. I don't know if that was with Tom Brady or not, but potentially they could fill that you know spot with him. Although I think he's probably going to head back to um, his team in um, L.A. And then there's Robert Woods in L.A., who, if, you know, all these signings uh, take place um, and all these moves take place, maybe he gets traded to a team and maybe the Patriots get that, uh, get that moving. So um, at the end of the day, I don't know what they'll do there, but we'll see uh, where they go um, in the future. Uh, and in terms of draft picks... Um, there is um, so many uh, players they can go for, um, and there's a lot of talent um, in terms of the draft uh, and uh, all sorts of different players they can go for. Juju Smith-Schuster uh, looks like he's going to Kansas City um, on a one-year deal, so there's um, a good chance that uh, that deal is going to be signed sooner rather than later. And they will, unfortunately, be out on him. Uh, so he is probably not going to be uh, somebody that they um, they end up uh, getting to. So he's probably going to be off the board. But, um, you know, there's other guys out there. Let's move on to the uh, Boston Celtics. So Celtics, you know, they're a good team. They've been playing great. Things have been going in their favor. And if you look at where the Celtics are, they are sort of a few uh, games back of the competition. Right now, they are the four seed. 
which is great to see. Um, and they are half game up on Chicago. They are, uh, I think, uh, a game or so under the 76ers because 76ers have two less losses than the Celtics. But they can get to number three seed. Milwaukee is the number two. And Milwaukee is about two games difference because the Celtics have a 42-28 record. Milwaukee has a 44-26 record. So, um, yeah, there's uh, that situation. So it's definitely possible for the Celtics to get all the way up to number two. Um, if you look at how they've been doing, uh, they played against Golden State. Now, in the Golden State game, they ended up winning, which a lot of people were looking at that, and they were looking at um, how the Celtics did, which was uh, better than I would have expected. But the biggest news from that game, it came with Marcus Smart. So Marcus Smart was basically going up for a, um, a steal, I guess you could say, and it was kind of... Uh, flailing around as he was going for the play, doing you know what Marcus Smart does, which is basically just giving his heart and soul and going all out for every play, and injured Steph Curry. And more importantly, Steph Curry goes down. He's down with the count and basically is out for what could be the rest of this season. Now, if you're a Celtics fan, obviously it's a different situation than if you're a Golden State fan because... Steve Kerr was not happy. He thought it was dangerous um, and did not like that at all. Um, and Itame Udoka, head coach of the Boston Celtics, said it was um, uh, just hustle play and basically stood up for his, um, his man. So you have two different sides of the ball. All of the Golden State Warriors fans basically shitting on Marcus Smart for making, um, making Steph Curry get hurt. And all the Celtics fans, myself included, saying it wasn't that bad of a play. It's a hustle play, and it's not anything out of the ordinary for Marcus Smart and for, you know, just a normal play. And watching that replay, there's nothing that says he was doing this on purpose. There was nothing that says it was cheap shot. Marcus Smart did what he has always done, going for the basketball, and there's nothing more than that. Any Golden State fan who thinks that was a cheap shot or has issues with it, it's basketball. Accidents happen. Do you think that the Cleveland Cavaliers, when Gordon Hayward got hurt and was out for that whole season, when he was in Boston his first year, do you think they did that on purpose? No. It happened. In Golden State, same thing. It happened. Gordon Hayward was out for the whole year, and there's nothing we could do. And the same with Steph Curry. However long he's out, if it's the whole year or most of the year, it is what it is. And it was a hustle play, and sometimes that happens. It happens in every sport. Nobody maliciously, you know, goes after someone to take out their legs and get them hurt. And to all the Golden State fans that are saying that, it's not the case. So, you know, obviously if your player gets hurt, you're going to be a head coach that says, oh, it was a dirty play just because you want to say that, right? If you are on the other side, you're going to say, oh, it was a hustle play. It wasn't that bad. Looking at that replay, there's nothing in my eyes that says it was dirty and it is what it is. Steph Curry is a great player. And if it wasn't Steph Curry and it was Juan Toscano-Anderson or it was, you know, Eric Pascal or if it was um, any other basketball player not named Steph Curry in any team, it wouldn't have been a big deal, right? But because it was a big name like Steph Curry, it's a much bigger deal than if it was someone like a Sharif Cooper in Atlanta. So 
you know, obviously if it's your star point guard who's an MVP candidate, you're going to get upset over that, even if you know and everyone else knows it wasn't anything out of the ordinary and wasn't a dirty play.